happening? We're back. That's what's happening. Ish. Ish. I don't know. I feel wholly unprepared now. I kind of do too. I know. I was like, wait, hold on. I got to push a button. That's right. Oh God. Okay. Um, Hi guys. Welcome back. We are back from hiatus and uh, we hope that you enjoyed our um, re-releases of our most popular episodes as determined by you guys and the amount of downloads and listens that they got. We did, uh, we we revisited La Lori Mansion. Ugh. Yeah. Um, we, of course, revisited Trans Allegheny. Um, uh, we then last week we did Laura's amazing story on Mothman. So he is, of all the cryptids we've covered so far, Mothman is the reigning king as far as popularity on this show. So. You gotta Yay. love Mothman. That's a good love, story. It's a good story. Super fun. It's a good story and it's a great little town. So, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun to visit. Um, yeah, for sure. Sorry, I have a dog hair in my eyelashes. So, Laura, <laughs> handle business while I figure this out. <laughs> well, what other ones have we released? Is that it? That was it. That's just, it. just three. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Just three. Yeah. So, and then we actually went and visited Trans Allegheny yeah. last week. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you know, I, I should try to figure out a way for Trans Allegheny to sponsor the podcast because we talk about that motherfucking place a lot. <laughs> a lot. Maybe too much. Maybe too much. Maybe too much. No, you can it's never a talk about place, though. Yeah. You can never talk about Trans Allegheny too much. Um, so, yeah, we we're back and we had a lovely time in Pittsburgh. Uh, we went, uh, Laura flew into Pittsburgh and we stayed with. Um, my best friend Jennifer and her family. Uh, you guys know Jennifer. She's been on the show a bunch of times. She is actually, I'm sorry, the dog hair is still happening. Um, <laughs> I just keep blinking and I feel it like right here. Um, she is actually our director of marketing for History of a Haunting podcast. So any kind of sponsorship request and 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 things like that that we get go straight to our um, HOAH media email that she runs. So um, in that vein, we do have an exciting announcement to bring to you on next week's episode. Um and that's what I'll leave it at that. We have been on hiatus, but Laura and I have been busy. We've been doing podcasty stuff. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Laura, as we always do, we recap our investigations. Um, and we're going to be doing another recap of Trans Allegheny. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't want to get too, too much into it, but tell everybody, you know, what were your initial thoughts and tell them, you know, what we, what you thought, because I was like, when we drove up when, and my niece, Emma, Jennifer's daughter went with us. And when we drove up, I was like, it's here it is. And I was like, I felt like I've had to have like big band music swelling (laughs) in the car as I turned down the driveway into it, because both of you were like, whoa, (laughs) Which yeah, I, love. I don't think you get the scale of it until you're right in front of it. Yeah. I mean, in pictures, you can tell it's big. You know it's big. But when yeah. you get there, it is imposing yeah. and massive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Besides the other buildings. Um, that's just the main building. That's just the main um, building. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
really we took a historical tour um before we did the it was really cool before we did the um investigation at night and that was really cool to go through um all almost all the different buildings and see what they were used for Mm -hmm. yeah um definitely lots of creepy shit in that place (laughs) and all the buildings in all the buildings yeah Mm -hmm. it was really helpful too to see it during the day because it did help me navigate it better at night Mm -hmm. remembering what what we saw it in the daytime tour so right and our our guide was so informative and yeah do you remember his name i don't remember it began with a z Mm -hmm. and i can't remember something 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 he was really phenomenal i i wrote to the owner um that i'm now friends with on facebook and i was like listen what you guys are doing is phenomenal and i specifically have to call out these employees that on your staff that are really remarkable and i said i forget his name i felt so horrible because i was like (laughs) it was just it began with a z it was a unique name and i was hoping Mm -hmm. you remembered so I could message her back, but yeah, I mean it's cool when you go the um, during the day for any of the tours. Um, the staff is in costume, which um, really kind of when you first walk in really sets the mood because I have on the old school nurses' outfits, and that was creepy. Um, yeah, yeah, and then the guys look like orderlies, kind of, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. Those old nurse outfits in there is really creepy. It's really creepy. Like, it really brings up the, like, era, you know, like, kind of comes together uh, there. Yes. Real, yeah, real fitting. It's That's a great idea. That mm-hmm. did, very, mm-hmm. very great idea. In fact, I actually got a picture of one of the employees by the fountain that's there in the center. Mm-hmm. Um, Emma and I were outside, and, and you were, you know, paying at the gift shop, and I saw her, and I'm like, okay, that's actually really... Um, a great picture so i kind of i got a picture of her um and she's kind of looking down like down that like out toward the town and mm-hmm. um yeah i remember when we pulled in because they have these tents there now that they erected once covid happened because then you had to go and like get your temperature checked and all this other other stuff um so they still have them and you can check in there as well and when we pulled in there was a woman sitting there in a nurses with the little white hat and the white like opaque stockings and the like tennis shoe white tennis shoes and Laura immediately goes what the fuck is that <laughs> And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> because at night, the the overnight tour guides don't dress like that. They wear like a Trans-Allegheny shirt that says staff, but they don't. And so I had no idea just ex- how thematic uh, they do it during the day, which really did pack quite a, quite a creepy punch, which I thought was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I did enjoy it. And the places that they have restored, which we saw obviously better during the day, um, mm. with the antiques and everything, it looks so cool. I mean, it, yeah. it really does transport you right back in time. Yeah. Um, and there's, a, I mean, obviously a lot of not good history there. Um, but being able to see it as it probably would have been. Yeah. It was really cool. And they had like... The old medicines they would give people. What was it like? Chlorform, chlorophyll, and morphine, and stuff. Yes, like, yeah, like liquid cocaine in a bottle or some kind of a bunch of like mm-hmm. dilated. Um, we took pictures. I was like, yeah, yeah. We took pictures. There was one I think. 
opiates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they knocked people the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. There was one bottle that was labeled diabetes cure. And um, one of the girls on the tour was like, oh, my God, look at this to her friend. And he was like, diabetes cure. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Just a giant bottle of insulin? Like, what is I mean, the, it's mm -hmm. really phenomenal, the things that they have there on display and that have been donated to it because it is a museum as well. Um, so it's just um, I can't I can't get enough of it. I cannot get enough of it. And I told Rebecca, I was like, listen, if I lived closer, I would apply for a job there because I love it that much. <laughs> if I could work it on the weekends, I would freaking do it. Um, but six hours is a bit of a drive for a shift. <laughs> yeah, a little bit too much. Yeah, a little bit too much. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you loved it. We will get more into the meat and potatoes of the actual investigation when we do our recap episode. It's actually that we're not going to be doing that for another couple of weeks, guys, simply because we were there with several other paranormal teams. This was a big para-unity uh, private investigation that we did of Trans-Allegheny. And we are also going through our evidence. I barely finished the five hours of recordings that I took in Dean's room. And I still have another four hours of audio to go through. Plus then all my video. Yeah. So, and the, the other teams are just audio to still go through. Mm -hmm. um, plus, I mean, everybody has a ton of stuff. So yeah, we're kind of waiting to put it all together. So we yeah. can bring you the best of what we captured. And man, probably the creepiest EVP I have ever heard. Oh, and I've heard yeah. A lot. Yeah. And it is. We'll definitely play that. Creepy as fuck. Yeah. So we will well, play that one for sure. And you guys have to tune in to listen to that one because I'm telling you, it is. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, it is super crazy. Um,. It that one, um, Chris, our our team lead with um, Southern Entities Paranormal, he uh, captured it down in the lobotomy area on the first floor in the criminal intake ward, which I was super excited to get to first because when we went last time last summer, that section of the hospital was closed to the public because there were other people that, you know, one ruins it for everybody. And so they closed it for a long time and it wasn't we couldn't go in there the last time so i was really anxious to get down there and so that's the area that he he captured this this evp that laura's talking about in and we definitely will play it on the recap um if you do follow southern entities on facebook uh you might have seen it so follow if you would like to see it before we show it you can go to facebook southern entities paranormal and chris has posted it um it, it's probably one of the most disturbing uh, ones that, not that I've ever heard, but that we as a team have ever captured, I I think, for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one, but not a good one. It's a good one, but it's a great, it's a great capture, but it's right. not, it's not great. And now I'm like, you know what, we're teasing these people now, I should just go to Facebook and fucking play it, but I'm not going to. Sorry, guys. If you want to hear it before we show it on the recap in two weeks, um, go to Southern Entities Paranormal on Facebook. So um, so that's that. That's what we've been doing on our hiatus. Um, I do want to address the reason that we took the hiatus and um, because... Uh, I did post on all of our social media and on YouTube. I let everybody know the reason that we were taking the hiatus. And that was because I needed um, a little bit of time to get 
my mental health in some kind of order because it was spinning out of control and depression had started to creep back in. So a long, long time ago, 15 years ago, I went through a very, very significant and severe depressive episode. Um, And in the span of two years, my son had been diagnosed with autism. I lost my $100,000 a year job and my grandmother died. So all of that. And I didn't deal with Koi's autism diagnosis well at all. I didn't get a solid handle on it or even accept it for about three years. Um, that's a whole other story. But so it, there a lot of things were happening back then. And depression isn't like one day you wake up and you're depressed. Depression is a kind of a slow burn. And um, at least for me, um, there's a, a number of factors that were culminating in that. And back then I had, um, I had a six-year-old child. I had um, my grandmother who, who helped raise me died. I'd lost my job that was Fortunately, being able to fund all of his therapies and things, which were very, very expensive back then, because insurance companies weren't covering a lot of therapies for developmental disabilities. Um, He was getting some at his pre-K school, but not enough. So when I lost my job, it was just sort of like a wave of things happened. Um, And during that time, I became so depressed. I thought I could handle it myself. I couldn't. My grandmother died. The grief was... She And it was expected. She didn't die suddenly. She was 95. It was expected, but it still hit me like a Mack truck. And um, during that time, I tried to commit suicide. And by the grace of God, I had taken an entire bottle of Tylenol PM, all 100 capsules, and drank half a box of wine. And... I woke up at about three in the morning, the witching hour. I don't think that was a coincidence, but I woke up at three o'clock in the morning on my bathroom floor, covered in wine, vomit, and pills. And I cleaned myself up. I cleaned up the bathroom and I went to bed and I never told anybody about it. But I did tell my mother that I did need, I think I need help. So at that point, I got, I went to my doctor and I got put on an antidepressant. Um, They put me on Zoloft, I think it was, and I was on that for a couple of years. Uh, They diagnosed me with adjustment disorder, um, which I still struggle with to this day. And I know that I'd no longer take, go to therapy for it, but I do still struggle with that today. I don't like change and I don't like significant permanent change. I have a real hard time adjusting to that. Um, So it's something that I work on daily. Um, but this time around, um, was vastly different, but I did start to notice the signs quicker. And back then I didn't know I had never been depressed before. I didn't know. I just thought this is life. People die, you know, kids get diagnosed with stuff and, and yet people lose their jobs. I, I, this is just life. And I didn't know the signs of depression. Um, this time around I did. And it was, it was rapidly becoming, heading down that same road, not necessarily as bad, but heading down that same road. I could barely get out of bed every day. I was hardly taking showers. Maybe on recording days, I would take a shower 
and brush my teeth. I didn't even want to do that. I would barely get out of bed in time to go to work. And I work in for I was working for West Coast branches. So I was working Arizona hours and we were three hours ahead at the time. So I didn't have to be to work till 11 and I would be getting out of bed at like 1030. Go downstairs, throw on some clothes, go downstairs, have a cup of coffee, have a cigarette, go to work. Um, so it was becoming that bad. Um, and then I lost my job. And that was the trigger that started everything else. Because I had worked for this company for five and a half years. And I had worked for this branch for four of those years. And... Um, it was really, really devastating to me to um, be told, hey, you know, um, we have to make cutbacks. And because I was the closing manager at the time, I had the biggest salary. So I was the one to go. And I understood it. And I knew it wasn't personal, but it felt personal. You know, like things like that are very personal. So that was exceptionally hard to deal with um, because this, this group of people had become like my family over these four or five years. So that was really hard. And then um, fortunately I am back with the same company um, and I have a new branch and I have a new family and, and they're, they're wonderful. And I, I really do enjoy working with all of them so that I wasn't out of work very long, but um, it, it was long enough to start a financial spiral. Um, I just bought this house. It's the first house I've ever owned. And I was absolutely terrified of losing it. So the worry, the stress, my this time around, my anxiety was very, very high. I was constantly worrying. I couldn't sleep. I, I would lay there and worry about how am I going to make the car payment? How am I going to make the mortgage? How am I going to do this? I, because by the time I found a job and I had applied for unemployment right away, but by the time I found a job, I, unemployment still had not kicked in. So I'm like, oh my God. Um, so there was a very significant financial pressure. Um, and it just became more and more suffocating. So I called Laura. We were supposed to record this episode and about what, an hour before we were supposed to record. I called Laura and I said, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do it. I need to take a break from the podcast, which was very significant and alarming for me because I love this podcast. I, this podcast is my baby. I came up with this podcast. This podcast is my idea and it is born from this random thought that I had and I do everything with it and I have always done everything with it. And the fact that I didn't, want to do anything with it anymore was a huge problem for me because history of a haunting is so much who I am that then I was really starting to get scared. I didn't get to the point where I was suicidal. And like I said, this time around my life is vastly different than it was 15 years ago. Um, but I knew I had to get help. So I went to my doctor and told her everything. And uh, she put me on Wellbutrin, which um, I really like. I haven't had any side effects um, from it. And I started to notice a marked shift 
in my emotions and my mentality within about a week. So by the time we went to Trans, and I started taking it a week before we went to Trans Allegheny. By the time we went to Trans Allegheny, I was feeling pretty good. Um, it's been three weeks now, and um, I'm feeling better every day. I do. I do still have moments where I get um, angry for over little things that are you know stupid to get angry about or whatever but that's i get overwhelmed i get but that's 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 part of life um honestly i think you know some people are just like i'm having a bad day you know so i still do have bad days and it's still very new to me three weeks isn't very long at all to be on an antidepressant um but it is working and i am feeling so much better um so I wanted to address that almost up front. I felt like Trans Allegheny talking about that was more important. But right after that, I wanted to address <laughs> I wanted to address my mental health and the reason we took this hiatus because over the last three weeks, listeners and my friends that I've talked to and my family that know have reached out. As- with their support and their love and their understanding. And I have to tell you that that has made such a vital difference just to know that you guys are all there for me and whatever I need, whatever I don't need, whatever you can do to help me, you will do. And our listeners, my God, you guys all of your comments and all of your messages. I've read every single one and they have been so important to me. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I can never thank you guys enough. And I hope that if you guys ever feel like this, I hope that you know that you also have people that you can reach out to. Even if it's us, even if it's me and Laura, just message us and be like, hey, I'm having a tough day. We are there for you, too. Um, So I wanted to say thank you um, to all of you uh, for that, because you really will never, ever know just how helpful that was for me. Um, So thank you. And uh, yeah. That's it. We're back. And I'm excited. And we have a lot of recordings to catch up on, Laura. And I'm sorry I <laughs> cried, but I was just... I I knew I was going to talk about this on this episode. And I, every time I thought about like all of the, the reaching out that the listeners have, have done to me and for me, I'm very moved and very touched by that. And, and you guys all know I cry at the drop of a hat. So... <laughs> I cry. That's not true. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, I do. So anyway, that's, that's, that's that on that. So, um, there is help to be had. If you have depression, there is help to be had. Um, be it family, friends, um, your doctor hotline. Um, there are therapy hotlines there. There is all kinds. There is help to be had. I promise. And, um, even us, we're here to help you if you need us. Um, History of Haunting is a very wonderful community, and, and I'm very, very glad that, that we are a part of it, Laura. So, yeah. yeah, we have the best fans, for sure. We do. Listeners. We really do. We can call them fans. Let's call them fans. That sounds good. Fans. <laughs> <laughs> that bring you out of your depression too sweet. 
I have fans. I can't disappoint. I, I cannot disappoint these fans. I swear to God, they're amazing. So that's all I have. That was EVPs. Um, I don't think we have any other EVPs, do we? Do you have anything? I talk. You uh, say words no. now. <laughs> I no. don't think we do. No. I think we're pretty, pretty good. Pretty caught up. Pretty caught up. All right. Well, um, do you want to tell everybody what's been going on in your life since uh, we were on hiatus? You are childless for the moment. How's that going? Yes. Um, it's weird. Uh, Zane is <laughs> yeah. visiting family um, in Texas, and yeah, my house is super quiet. I don't have to clean nearly as much <laughs> or cook really. Um, so yeah, it's good, but it is kind of like lonely, especially because I work at home, so I'm here all the time. Yeah. So like I would yeah. have him, you know, stuff to do in the evenings and take care of him and you know homework and yeah, yeah, the whole bit. So now I've been watching a lot of Netflix. And, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had all these, like, projects I was going to get done. <laughs> I mean, you're running out. Uh, Zane will be home in a couple of weeks. Like, you're running out really of time. I need to get on the stick. Um, <laughs> I have done none of these projects. Yeah. My project has been Netflix. Well, I mean, sometimes yeah. you just need that. Sometimes you just need that. I've been binging at night. The Pirates of the Caribbean um, mm-hmm. movie series. Yeah. And I don't get far because I get in bed, I get all comfy. I've got my glass of water or my bottle of water and my all my dogs. And I fall asleep within like 20 minutes. So it's taken a long time to get through these <laughs> Those movies. Those are long movies too. Exactly. And I'm just doing it in 20 minute bursts. So, um, so yeah, I... Uh, I've been I've been doing that. I I haven't seen four and five. I've only ever seen up to three, and I'm in the almost done with three. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we'll see how four and five go. I have no idea. Um, but uh, I love that ride. I love those movies, and everybody knows I'm a huge Disney freak. So <laughs> this is true. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I do need to watch Stranger Things four though. I am so like seasons behind. I mm. I have no idea. Really? So what's going on? No. Oh, okay. So, okay. I yeah. I the season three ended on a cliffhanger, and that was like two years ago or some crazy shit. Mm. So we've been waiting a while to figure to find out what what ends up happening. Um. So I do need to get on Stranger Things, uh, which I think I might because I think it's in two parts and the first part is dropped, but the second part isn't dropping for another month. So it's kind of like walking dead and they take like, you know, six week hiatuses or whatever. It's kind of like history of a haunting where they like (laughs) really get Jake going. And then they're like, we'll be back. Um, that kind of situation. I did finish the Ozarks, which was, Oh yeah. Is that good? So good. Is it really? Mm -hmm. It was good. Is that everything about the ending, but the show's really good. That's cool. I've got a lot of books to read too. We have oh so many books to read. Me so too. many books. It's to read. so bad. And then, yeah. but I do have scribed. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's basically like an online library where you can read books. Or they have like a lot of audio books. So I've been doing a lot of audio books, which has been cool while I work. So, well, that's that's a great idea. Unfortunately, the books that we have are not on audio. No. Um, that's true. So, yeah. But, right. yeah. Audiobooks, that's a good idea. Um, 
And all of these books that I have to read are written by friends. So um, one of our friends from Entity Voices Paranormal Evidence, Ron Yacovetti, wrote a book. Um, and I meant to show it and I don't have it. Do you have it, Andy? Nope. It's in the no, other room. it's yeah. Mine's by my bed. Um, Mine too. <sighs> yeah. So With the other books I need to read. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> to stack. We all got. Um, mm. We all got. Good intentions. Yeah. Yeah. We all got personalized and autographed books on the haunted history of Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum by Sherry Brake. And Sherry autographed all of those books for us. So we've got that one to read. Um, and then my um, one of my very best friends, Takuma Rami, his father, um, wrote a book called When Blackness Was Golden. And I have that. That came uh, last week. So I've got that by my bedside to read. And so it's just sitting there. All these books are sitting there like a little pile of guilt. Every time I get in bed and turn on pirates of the caribbean so i got i got stuff and things but it's it's good to keep uh my mind occupied and um i'm i have a tendency to dwell and uh i need to i need to quit doing that i need to i dwell too much on stuff and on things that i can't change because again, adjustment disorder, that's sort of like the crux of it. <laughs> sort of how we do it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. All right. All right. Well, let's I'm get this party started. I think I do. Although we've been chatting so long that now the stream deck has shut off and I'm like, oh, my buttons are gone. Hang on. Turn back on. Okay. It's like the longest intro ever. It is. Let's see. Where are we recording? Uh, we're at 30 minutes. All right, guys. Let's just get right into it. You already saw the quote. You already seen the title. Laura, tell them where we're, uh, what we're talking about today. Today, we are going to talk about Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. I like him. I'm a fan. Are you a fan? I am a fan. Are you a fan? Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, drop some sources on us. All right, my sources are lethbridgenewsnow.com, historydaily.org, and the pomuseum.org. Not the, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put the the. It won't take you to the right place. It won't take you. It might take you to a crazy site, so don't do that. (laughs) All right, what's his history? Because I don't really actually know anything about it. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I knew he was married, and I knew that he, I knew how he died, but that's pretty much it. The middle part is just nothing. All right. Okay. Well... Let's fill it in. Okay. Um, Edgar Poe was born on January 19th, 1809 to traveling actors Eliza, Eliza, I'm sorry, and David Poe. When Edgar was a baby, David abandoned the family, leaving Eliza to support three young children. Okay. So not much different from 2022. Great. Great. So we're off to a good start. Cool. Um, (laughs) It's all familiar so far. (laughs) Right. Um, In a devastating turn, Eliza contracted tuberculosis and spent the last few months of her life in Richmond. Uh, She died on December 8th, 1811, at the age of 24, leaving behind her three children. So Edgar was only two years old, um, but he was taken in by a Richmond couple named John and Frances Allen. Edgar was never officially adopted, a cause and result of constant tensions between him and his foster father. He did not take their last name, but instead he became Edgar Allan Poe. As a teenager, Poe enjoyed the life of the elite upper class. I mean, so do I. Same. I mean, Um, 
That's why I hang out with you. You are right. the elite upper class. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't even keep going with that one. Uh, um, in 1874, a young Edgar Allan Poe was part of a junior honor color guard. I can't talk today. That escorted the Revolutionary War General uh, Marquis de Lafayette around Richmond, Virginia. Ooh. Lafayette and the color guard stopped at Richmond's old stone house to visit the E.G. family who had assisted in the American Revolution. Posted guard on the front steps of the house. Um, and 98 years later, the old stone house became the Poe Museum. Oh, cool. Yeah. So at the age of 17, Edgar traveled to Charlottesville to attend the University of Virginia. He left behind a fiance, Elmira Royster, who promised to wait until after graduation to marry. Edgar almost immediately ran into trouble at UVA. Although he was a talented student, he had arrived at college with only $110 for tuition. Oh. Uh, UVA's tuition was three times that. So oh. he decided to gamble to raise the rest of the funds. Uh, instead, uh, Edgar ge- generated $2,000 worth of debt. Cool. Yeah, gambling... Never a good idea. No. If you're trying to get money. Yeah. If you just yeah. want to get rid of some, great idea. Right, yeah. <laughs> You've got way too much and you feel like throwing it away. Gamble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, after just a couple months at UVA, he returned to Richmond, disappointed, and continued to feud with his foster father. To make matters worse, Elmira had become engaged to someone else. While Edgar was off at UVA, Elmira's father had intercepted Edgar's letters and steered her into the direction of another man who promised to be a successful businessman and a respectable citizen, something Edgar could not promise. Oh, my God. So fucked up. Drama. Do you talk about at all what him and his foster father argued about? Was it just like general stuff like that? Sons and yeah, fathers I, I didn't argue about. Read anything that really got into the specifics. Mm. I think just you know father okay. son dynamics. I know. I'm like, ooh, family fights. Tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> so nosy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't know. Make it up. Um, just make some shit up, Laura. <laughs> so after. Um, all this. Uh, Poe moved to Boston. Uh, he didn't stay long, but during that time, he published his first book of poetry, uh, Tamar Lane and Other Poems, under the pseudonym A Bostonian. Hmm. When Poe was 18, he joined the army under the name Edgar Perry. Poe did exceptionally well in the army, rising to the rank of sergeant major in just two years. Wow, okay. He then went to West Point, where once again he did well academically, but ran into financial issues. Seems like. He's not great with money. There's a theme uh, there, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Poe was court-martialed for extreme dereliction of duty. Um, after this, he moved to Baltimore. Yikes. Yeah. So in Baltimore, Poe lived with several relatives, including his aunt, Maria Clem, and her daughter, Virginia. Poe lived in Baltimore for four years, during which time he shifted from writing poetry to short stories. One publication that took special interest in him was the Southern Literary Messenger, which was based in good old Richmond, Virginia. Wow. I drive through that every time I go to Jennifer's, like, I need to stop next time. You should. Or, or the next, next time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> time after that. Time after that. We have to leave uh, really early next week for Emma's graduation, like two o'clock in the morning, and I doubt it'll be open when I cruise through Richmond. Probably not. 
Um, Poe published Metz, Metzingerstein, which is considered his first horror story. Mm. And Bernice, which was so graphic and terrifying that the magazine received multiple complaints from readers. No shit. Yeah. Editor Thomas White offered Poe a job on the staff of The Messenger, and Poe agreed to take the job, and he moved back to Richmond. Okay. So while writing for The Southern Literary Messenger... Um, he pissed off a lot of writers as he was um, the literary critic for the magazine, and he was just oh. ruthless. Oh, shit. Um, okay. So his critiques drew the ire of Nathaniel Hawthorne. Oh. He accused of plagiarism, um, as well as another writer, Rufus Wilmot Griswold. Still, he got along fine with certain other authors of the time, uh, one of whom was Charles Dickens, and they were actually pen pals. Oh, neat. Yeah. So soon after Poe joined the Southern Literary Messenger, um, he and his editor, though, started to have issues. Um, the root is suspected to be Poe's drinking. Ah. Um, it is well known that uh, Poe was an alcoholic. Um, mm. He drank heavily from his college days. Listen, I feel you there. Amen. To optimize the numbing effect of the alcohol, Poe would mix <laughs> absinthe, never a good idea, with a tight alcohol content with brandy and other drinks. Holy shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So absinthe, if um, our listeners don't know, has uh, wormwood in it, which is like an opiate, can cause people to hallucinate. Um, and absinthe has a very, very high alcohol content. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Um, it's not even legal. Um, it was outlawed a long time ago. Um, yeah. Now you can get some kind of versions of it. You can, yeah. It, like mm. certain types of bars and stuff, you can get yeah. certain versions I've been to of absinthe it. bars. Yeah. Mm. Um, and we got really drunk. <laughs> Poe attempted to get sober several times in his life, but always returned to the bottle. Um, mm. Poe also used opium. Opium was commonly used for medical purposes in the early half of the 1800s. Um, so it's not like a weird thing that he you know partook. yeah as as risky and and as it is today yeah right and it was yeah again it was commonplace um there were opium dens obviously but also um yeah people used it as medicine like dilaudin and chlor- chloroform or whatever right <laughs> yeah transalligating yeah. i mean <laughs> yeah yeah, you're hearing voices? Well, you should have some Dilaudid about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some chloroform. <laughs> right. You'll stop hearing them because you're going to be passed the fuck out. All Let right. me tell you, I would rather take those than go through what other things Transalleghani did as therapies. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, so Poe invited his aunt and his cousin, Maria and Virginia, to live with him in Richmond. Uh, one year later, Poe and Virginia then got married. Uh, she sure. was 13 and he was 27. Great. Great. Uh, this is an unlikely pairing and there's much debate about the nature of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Poe often referred to Virginia as sissy, meaning sister, and Maria as muddy, meaning mother. Although many people today presume their relationship was familial, we ultimately will never know what happened in their marriage behind closed doors. Um, like if it was just... Uh, Kind of for convenience and to, you know, keep her in the house. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Or if it was actually... Like a genuine marriage. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, but he but loved Virginia, her. 
Yeah. Everything I read, he really loved her for yes. in whatever way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so Virginia and Maria had a stabilizing effect on Poe, um, and he seemed to be more responsible and happier during the years when they were with him. Um, yeah, nice. Family always helps. In 1837, Poe left the Southern Literary Messenger um, and Richmond. 37. Starting in 1838 wow. while living in Philadelphia, he enjoys enjoyed his prime years of literature. Poe wrote The Telltale Heart, The Mask of the Red Death, The Black Cat, The Pit and the Pendulum, The Gold Bug, The Fall of the House of Usher, The Murders in the Rue Morgue, and more. Uh, I love The Telltale Heart. That's my favorite <laughs> of his. That's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Murders in the Rue Morgue is particularly important because it was his, It was the first modern detective story. Ooh. Poe was the first to write about an eccentric genius who solves mysterious crimes. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle cites Poe's character, C. August Dupin, as the literary inspiration behind Sherlock Holmes. Oh, my God. Um Conan Doyle is a big or he is he's super old but still kicking no right. um <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the queen I'm in the you. queen I mean yeah um a, he was a big believer in the paranormal Arthur Conan Doyle yes I think yeah. we've talked about that before I think we have um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so Poe was also an early pioneer of science fiction um interestingly the majority of his stories are actually comedies <laughs> Oddly enough, he's not known that, for those. But he's not known for those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm, but okay. Poe wrote in many genres, but his contribution to horror is what makes him famous today. Uh, Poe revolutionized revolutionized the genre. <laughs> he was one of the first to involve deep, intuitive psychological horror. He often wrote Ooh. stories where the true monster was the capacity for evil that is inside each person, and what happens when that evil is acted upon. Cool. So mind fucks way back in the 1800s. Great. <laughs> Got it started. I mean, I hate them, so, but I, I cannot resist a movie or a book like that. Honestly, I can't. And right, I'm I disturbed for yeah. weeks, if not months afterward, but still. <laughs> yeah, I'm always excited if there's something that I don't think, you know, like a movie where it really yes. gets me when I don't like yeah. see the twist coming and I don't figure it out before. Those are always the best. Yeah. Um. So Poe's most famous piece is obviously The Raven. Yeah. Once published in the early months of 1845, this poem made him an overnight success. Before the publication, Poe was well known in literary circles, but because of The Raven, Edgar Allan Poe became a household name. Wow. The Raven was wildly popular. Yeah. So much so that children would follow behind Poe as he walked along the streets of Baltimore. They would flap their arms and caw like a raven. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> to their delight, Poe would suddenly spin around and shout, Nevermore! <laughs> Isn't that cute? It's very cute. It's very cute. Mm-hmm. I do. The Raven's another favorite of mine. It was my friend Cher's favorite. Um, and she was, she's got a, I think she's got a, she's working, she's got a master's degree in literature. And um, Poe is her, one of her favorites. And The Raven is, is one of her favorites. So when we went to London, six years ago and we went to the tower of london that you know that the tower always keeps six ravens um so we've always got to have six if one were to fly away it would it would it would spell the end of the monarchy so to this day the tower keeps six black ravens and in their gift shop you can buy a raven feather quill and a pot of ink like actual quill and ink and so i bought that for share 
Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, because she loves the Raven so much. But a little side note. Hi, Cher. Shout out to you. <laughs> <laughs> so although Poe only made $15 from the publication of The Raven, its international success created financial opportunities like taking on literary clients and giving lectures and recitations. Wow. Poe was the first American writer to live completely off of his earnings from writing. But for most of Poe's adulthood, he struggled to financially support himself and his family. Mm. Unfortunately, by this time, his wife, Virginia, began exhibiting symptoms of tuberculosis. Oh, God, that damn disease. Yeah, she was sick for several years and died in 1847 while the couple lived in New York. Mm. Virginia was 24 when she died. Good Lord. Yeah, so young. Well, that was the age of his mother when she died, right? No, I think she was 27. But yeah, right in there. Yeah, not mm. much older. Yuck. Uh, Poe never emotionally recovered from the death of his wife. It was evident that he relied on her for mental and emotional support. Uh, Poe began to drift back south towards the city of his childhood, Richmond. So while in Richmond, Poe rekindled his childhood romance with Elmira Royster Shelton. Oh, what about her husband? Who, uh, was then a wealthy widow. Ah. A <laughs> little absinthe in his coffee. Right. Oh, no, I don't know. I'm making shit up now. <laughs> and this is your part. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes, if you're listening to the history part, whatever Carrie says is not the history part. Ignore it. Please, God. <laughs> Carrie's conjecture or bullshit. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I do not want to drop our rank because globally we're ranked mm-hmm. like 239 for history podcasts. And that's all Laura. So please don't. I got it. I don't want to fuck that rank up. <laughs> So while in Richmond, (laughs) I'm just going to shush her now. Thank you. Uh, While in Richmond, Poe rekindled his, oh, I already said that. Okay. At the dismay of her children, she and Poe once again became engaged in 1849. Uh, Poe planned to move permanently to Richmond to be with Elmira. Uh, He planned a trip to New York to bring Maria, his mother-in-law, back to Richmond. He was also planning to see a client in Philadelphia on the way up the coast. So Poe's last day in Richmond was on September 26, 1849. Elmira was worried about his health. After his bout of cholera, his health had been quite fragile. Wow. She encouraged Poe to visit his doctor, who was also a friend. Poe did, but it was really a social visit. He had a late meal at Sadler's restaurant, and at 4 a.m. on September 27, 1849, Poe boarded a ship headed for Baltimore. From September 27th until October 3rd, there is no record of his whereabouts. What about the ship? He was, did the ship... Well, he was on the ship, he got off the ship, and then nobody knows what he did. Oh! Yeah. Oh. I thought you were saying that he was on the ship from the 27th to the 3rd. Mm Mm-mm. So he Uh. got off, and then he was in Baltimore, but nobody knows what happened. That's interesting. Yeah, so on October 3rd, which was Election Day, Poe was found delirious in a tavern called Gunner's Hall in Baltimore. Yes. He appeared drunk. He was wearing someone else's clothes. um, Weird. But he was taken to Washington University Hospital. For the next four days, he was in and out of consciousness, sometimes being alert, but sometimes screaming at nothing and no one. Edgar Allan Poe died on October 7th, 1849. The doctor labeled his cause of death as phrenitis, whatever. 
inflammation of the brain, basically. Um, <laughs> I was like, is there sound cutting out? What is happening? I'm like, mm. what is it? Fre- P-H-R-E-N-I-T-I-S. Fren- phrenitis? Phrenitis. 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 Okay. Basically, <laughs> inflammation of the brain. All right, gotcha. Right, which was what they used um, when the true cause of death was unknown. So, because of these mysterious circumstances and the persona of Poe, there is much speculation about the true manner of his death. Yes. Um, there are over 26 published theories on his demise so far. Jesus, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, experts have proposed many theories to explain Poe's strange death and the circumstances surrounding it. Uh, among the theories are murder, a suicide attempt, a bad drug trip, rabies, carbon monoxide poisoning, epilepsy, and severe alcohol poisoning. Uh, most likely, um, it was a popular scam at the time that may explain Poe's strange circumstances. It was a form of voter fraud where people would kidnap individuals, drug them, and That's force them right. to vote multiple times for the candidate of their choice. That's right. It was known as cooping. Yes. That's right. This sometimes involved repeatedly dressing the individual in different clothing so they could continue to vote. Uh, still, there's no conclusive proof about the cause of post-death um, that has ever surfaced. Yeah. Yeah. Many believe that the story to be in keeping with the idea that the author was an insane, melancholy madman who could not cope. Sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that I'm not the only one that happens to. There we go. Um, that he couldn't cope with the confines of reality. Um, this characterization, however, came from Griswold. Remember that guy that hated him? Oh, yes. Yeah. The um, the, the author that... The author, him and Hawthorne were bashed by him. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he is the one that wrote a posthumous biography of Poe and painted him in a highly negative light. What a so, dick move. <laughs> what? Okay. So apparently Griswold was still smarting from some of Poe's critiques and represented him as a depraved lunatic in his biography. Uh, while this work has since been discredited, its characterization stuck, which is why a lot of people have the view of Poe that they have today. Like that he was just crazy writing all these horror stories, you know, that he... Um, was alone that he you know when yeah. really he had a family he was married sure yeah he had you know multiple women uh yeah so wow what a naturally, dick <laughs> right what a fucking dick uh naturally post story can't be complete without musing on his post death tale uh yes we saw him buried in baltimore's westminster hall and burying ground without even the decency of a headstone this was not solely because of his financial woes, as many believe, but actually because the headstone that was created for him was destroyed in a freak accident where a train went off the tracks and smashed it to bits. <laughs> in 1873, a poet saw the disrepair of Post grave and published a plea in the newspaper that it be restored to a glory befitting his fame. A teacher in Baltimore raised money with her class, and after receiving extra funds from a wealthy publisher, there was finally enough to rebury Poe in 1875. Oh, wow. Yeah, his late wife, meanwhile, had been buried in another cemetery, which was destroyed in 1875. This would have made it difficult to find her body and move it to be with her husband's. However, a man named William Gill, a Poe fan and biographer of the late author, had already exhumed her remains... 
He kept them in a box under his bed for several years before finally hand, hand, handing them over. Oh my God. Was finally buried with her husband in 1885. That's disgusting. That kind of, I mean, I get like, I understand why he did it, but it still reminds me of that guy. Um, I can't remember uh, down in the keys where he like fell in love with this Hispanic girl. It was much younger. Carl Tanzer. Tan- somebody. Tanzer, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's creepy as hell. Oh, my God. Super weird, right? Yeah. I mean, even after his death, just a bunch of random ass crazy shit happened. Like, I mean, yeah, that's, 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 that's too much of a fan. Guys, don't do that with us. Right. We don't. We don't. <laughs> we love our fans, but don't, don't do that. That will haunt you. That's kind of our jam, too. Don't do that. We'll haunt you. We will fucking Please haunt don't you. Exhume us. Please don't exhume us and keep us under your bed. We will fucking haunt you in the most inopportune moments too. Right. Right before the cliff, like right before the cliffhanger gets resolved and Stranger Things, we're gonna pop out. Right. <laughs> Bruce Willis was dead. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Anyway, sorry, go on. Nope, that's it. Oh, that was it. Oh, that was it. Wow, okay. I buried them, I got them back together, and in the ground. I mean, in a very (laughs) creepy way. Good job. Right. Good job. Super creepy. That was great, Laura. Always, always. That was really, really great. Um, If this doesn't bump our rankings up, I don't know what will. Uh, Okay, so, I mean, obviously, this show is History of a Haunting, and of course... There are Edgar Allan Poe hauntings, and we will tell you all about them when we return in just a second. (laughs) Okay, um, the ghosts. Let's get to my sources. (laughs) I'm like, what what happens now? Wait, what are we doing? Wait, oh, yeah, ghosts. Right, right. Haunting part. Haunting part, right. Um, My sources were usghostadventures.com. My mouse pointer was hiding the ass. I was like, is that a... Tourbaltimoreghost.com and rvaghost.com. So... The ghost of Edgar Allan Poe depicts how he was haunted in both life and death as well. It seems that Poe has stuck around in the afterlife, walking the grounds of the earthly realm he once lived. It's no wonder many believe his ghost haunts his homesteads, his favorite watering hole, the hospital where he died, and the cemetery he is buried in. So even Poe himself was um, contemplative of the mysteries of life and death, hence the quote that we aired right before the episode started. I will show that again simply because um, maybe you forgot it and all of the, you know, stuff that we chitter-chattered about before we even got talking. you read it to us? Should I read it? (laughs) Should I read it? Let me read it. I would like that. Okay, here we go. The boundaries which divide life from death are at best shadowy and vague. Who shall say where the one ends and the other begins? I delivered that well. You really did. I knew you could do it. You knew I could do it. Thank you. Um, 
So the Baltimore home that Poe lived in for a few short years with his aunt and his beloved Virginia is now a museum, as you had mentioned. Uh, It displays many artifacts of the well-versed writer. Moreover, it houses the unknown ghost that many speculate to be his grandmother, Elizabeth Poe, who died during their stay there. So there is a very heavy energy that fills the home. Um, Many claim to see... If somebody describes me like this, I will haunt them. Uh, Many have claimed to see an older, portly woman throughout the house. (laughs) That's why she's not leaving. She's pissed. Girl, I feel you. She's not a malevolent spirit. I, however, would be. Um, (laughs) However, another presence that haunts the house causes some issues. So I guess a woman was changing her clothes in one of the rooms when suddenly a window popped out of its frame and crashed to the floor. There are other reports that tell of a mysterious tapping on shoulders, muttering voices, lights moving from room to room when no one is in them, and windows and doors slamming shut. Um, I think all of that is, is really super creepy. And while there is a logical explanation potentially for the window frame, especially given how old the house is. Um, The rest of the stuff don't, I don't love any of it, Um, but I have dedicated my life to seeking it out, which is, I get, I really do under, I get the conundrum. (laughs) Guys, I do. I get it. I see it. (laughs) Some people report seeing Poe himself, which may be the case as he drifts from place to place throughout the areas that his life and death played out. Poe's ghost is seen at a saloon he frequented while he lived there. His spirit is seen walking toward the horse you came in on saloon for a drink. (laughs) Right? We gotta go. (laughs) We gotta go to this place. (laughs) So... The Edgar Allan Poe Museum in Richmond, Virginia, was never occupied by Poe. However, the house is full of Poe's original writings, as well as memorabilia and some of his personal belongings. There are pictures, relics, and verses focusing on the many years of his life in Richmond that are featured at the at the at the museum. Wow! At the museum, at the museum, or in the museum, whichever you prefer. At the museum is what I preferred apparently um there seem to be three spirits that have staked their claim on the museum two are a pair of children with blonde hair and believed to have been from the eeg family ege eeg what do you think yeah those are the ones that they went to visit or whatever they they own the house right went there yeah eeg eeg from the ege family Uh, these spirits do not seem to act like poltergeists or noisy ghosts, but do like to show up in the backgrounds of photos that tourists take in the museum. Um, here I do want to interject that we took a lot of photographs at Trans Allegheny that are curious, I guess we'd say, Laura, right? Yeah. 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 Um, And we are going to be, we did have um, a spirit photographer there by the name of Julie Griffin. And um, 
Some of you may have heard of Julie. She is a really wonderful woman. We had the best time with her investigating Trans Allegheny. We're actually going to have her on the show to discuss spirit photography. Um, once we get the date um, nailed down as to when that episode is going to be released, I we will, of course, let you know. But... Um, this is a very, a very common thing. And Julie has dedicated much of her life to capturing spirits in photographs. So uh, apparently that is something that is common here at the Poe Museum. Spirits showing up in the backgrounds of photos that tourists take in the museum. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. The third spirit here is a black shadow that wanders the hall of the museum. And though its identity is not entirely proven, it is suspected to be Edgar Allan Poe's ghost. He may be attached to some of the items um, from his life that are housed there. I mean, I don't know. From your history, he didn't... It didn't seem like he was really kind of a that kind of person where he had like something that was very, very important to him. I didn't hear anything in your, in your history where he was like, Oh, and then he always carried this one book or this one quill, or he always, you know what I mean? Like it didn't seem like he was that type of person to me that would be attached to. Yeah. But right. A lot of writers are kind of superstitious or, you know what I mean? That's true. That's true. So there may have been items throughout his life that, that he, was felt compelled to have around plus with his wife passing away i'm sure that a lot of the stuff that like you know was hers or oh my god sentimental between them i can imagine him yes you know and to that end he does seem particularly connected to a hand mirror that belonged to virginia yeah, see that yeah. Sense. and a walking stick that he left in Richmond um, a couple of weeks before he died. So this black shadow man will also show up in photographs and videos, but he prefers to interact with items around the house. It's um, this shadow has been seen walking around the courtyard behind the house as well. So the museum's most infamous story had to do with an unopened box of little Edgar Allan Poe bobbleheads. When the museum opened the next day, all of the small figures had been placed on a gift shop shelf without triggering the motion alarms that are in the room. It's weird. <laughs> also, maybe he did not like being a fucking bobblehead. Maybe he didn't, but I was just going to say also, I would love it if you and I were bobbleheads. <laughs> um, yeah, Pop Vinyl, if you could contact us and make us your little bobbleheads, that would be really great. Um, so now the horse you came in on saloon, the spirits there are plenty ranging from Edgar Allan Poe to some who may have resided there over the 246 years. The saloon has stood the haunted history behind the establishment is as mysterious as the death of Poe himself. So it was established in 1775 in Baltimore's historic Fells point. The horse, as it's called by locals is the only bar in Maryland that survived before, during and after the prohibition. So it's remained open and has operated under the name The Horse You Came In On Saloon since 1972. So in 1972, um, Howard Gerber took a chance, um, took a chance bet on a horse race at Pimlico Racecourse and it won. It was enough money for Gerber to invest in his dream of owning and operating a bar. Little did he know the bar he invested in and ran until 2006 would be haunted by one of the most 
well-known writers and poets of all time, Edgar Allan Poe. Um, I love this story. I think it's just, I love a series of happenstance chances Mm. that lead to something really magnificent like this. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Many people claim to see Poe walking down the street toward the horse at night. Um, and quite honestly, why wouldn't he want to return to his favored place to drown his sorrows as well as the last place where he took his last drink? Because his death remains such a mystery, one can certainly understand his reasons for hanging around in his afterlife. It is known that Poe's favorite drink was cognac, and for years, a glass would be left out on the bar for him that staff report would empty sometime throughout the night. That's weird. That is weird. Um, It's probably some drunk asshole. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of, it could be explainable, but I don't know. Like if they did it and they had a camera trained on it and no one touched it, but like at some point the, the level just kept going down a little. I I don't know. Give a sip in it. That's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. Right. um, Yeah. Yeah. I doubt there was like an actual, like, like the glass, like actually like raised up and like tipped back. And you know, I doubt that was a thing, but Anyway, don't dare to question the validity of Poe's haunting, however. It is said he will pull your bar stool out from under you. Uh, He is also known to throw a bar glass to the floor, perhaps because the saloon is no longer serving Cognac, his favorite spirit. (laughs) So Poe is honored at the horse you came in on with his picture hanging behind the bar where patrons toast up to the famous poet. You will also find a sign that says Poe's last stop on the wall. Although it is not proven that Poe was behind the bar or was at the bar the night of his death, it can't be discounted that it could likely be true. Uh, The building's age does make it easy to assume that some have stuck around in their afterlife. There are rooms upstairs believed to be a stopping ground for Poe. Um, But there is no certainty as to who exactly haunts that specific area in the bar. Reports from staff members include a desk on the fourth floor office spaces opens on its own. It's also clear that no one wants to be alone in the attic. Reportedly, the attic door um, opens a crack on its own, leaving the hair standing on the back of your neck. Um, Hmm. Yeah. The bar itself is reported to have shattering glasses for no you know explainable reason one staff member even took a photo of the phenomenon and um, mysterious orbs are also seen in the bar area as well um staff have also reported that the cash register drawer has a mind of its own opening over and over when closed shut after each occurrence um people really shouldn't be surprised to see reflections other than your own in the mirror at the bar and there are many reports of people that have seen somebody standing behind them that actually isn't behind them in real life but in the mirror they're there um oh that's creepy yeah that's some scooby-doo shit right Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's also a common occurrence for the chandelier to suddenly start swinging back and forth and the lights turn off and on for no reason. Many staff members refuse to be alone in the building, let alone at night when most of the activity happens, which it's a bar like you have to be there at night, right? Um, 
So, however, nighttime isn't the only time that things take place. Uh, The bar manager, a man by the name of Robert Napier, does tell a story of being alone in the bar one morning working. Looking down at what he was doing, someone walked by on the other side of the railing. He looked up, calling out that the bar was not open and that they could not be in there. And there was no one there to be seen. And that are the hauntings, or the purported hauntings, of Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. 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 I really like the bar one. You would yeah. think, you know, considering everybody, you know, he's yeah. a well-known drinker. That'd be yes. A and a thousand percent. Um, I think that... The age of the bar and how old it how old it was um, or how old it is, I think that's that's pretty cool too. So it's definitely um, somewhere that I would like to to stop. I'm going to Pittsburgh uh, this month, next weekend actually, and then again in July. Um, and maybe I don't know. Maybe Koi and I will stop and and check it out on our way because we go right through there. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah on our way to to the pittsburgh so yeah yeah Tony, what do you think laura i mean I good really times had by all and pose so yeah it yeah. was um i enjoyed uh learning about him and uh oh yeah the hauntings and stuff is there those are pretty cool too yeah I it is love to go to his museum too i think it'd be really cool I think so too. I think so too. Um, of course, I'm obviously going to bring like EMF and EVP recorder, even though I'd be like, I'm just here for the tour with this little recorder in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this one. I have missed doing this with you. I have missed the podcast very very much, and um, I am I'm glad that we're back. And uh, this was a good one. This was a you you, you can't go wrong with Edgar Allan Poe, right? You really can't. You really can't. <laughs> you really can't. Anyway, guys, um, that is all we have. Laura, would you like to tell them where they can follow us, should they choose to do so? Sure. Um, and you should choose to do so. You should. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at HOH Podcast. I like forget how to do this. It's been so long. And we are <laughs> on the TikTok at HOH Podcast, at HOH Carrie, and at HOAH Co host Laura. All right. Thank you so much, guys. We are super excited to be back. Laura and I have more recordings to do because we were just kind of stockpiling up the writings because we knew we had more to bring you so um this episode comes out on saturday the 4th and um we are back with our monday morning weird stories on the 6th and we've got true crime episodes to record for the patreon so we got a lot to do we've also got evidence to review from trans allegheny lunatic asylum join us in you know maybe two to three weeks um once all of the groups have had an opportunity to review their evidence um, and send to us what they would like for us to share. We will record that. We will get that to you guys. Patreons, we have missed you super, super, super duper. We will get this to you. Um, your early release episodes pick back up on the 8th. And our next episode is on something amazing that escapes me currently. Do you know what our next episode is? <laughs> I don't remember. They're all fucking fantastic. They're all fucking fantastic. So, 
Actually, we have a lot of really, really cool, cool places coming up. We do. Um, that I'm that I'm really excited to cover. So no lie, uh, there's a lot of really cool shit coming up. There is. Let me hold on. Let me see what I got here. Let's see. <laughs> Mount Everest, we did it. Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, shit! The next one, Laura, is the abduction of Barney and Betty Hill. Ooh. Yeah. UFOs, those episodes are always super popular. Because everybody loves aliens. Everybody loves aliens, man. They're, they're, they, they are among us. Um, yeah. So we are going to be um, doing that next. I should probably write that. I was going to, and then I didn't. <laughs> now I'm behind in, in everything. I was I was so on point. Anyway, we love you guys, and we thank you very much um, for coming back and joining us. We appreciate you hanging out um, through the hiatus. And um, as I said in the beginning, I'm very I'm very very grateful for all of um, your love and support. And I promise that is right back at you. If you guys ever need anything, um, reach out to us because Laura and I. We've been there and, and yeah, we understand. So thank you. That's all I got. Laura, what do you got? Anything else? Should I wrap this, this? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Love fest up. (laughs) Okay. All right, guys. 30 hour podcast. (laughs) Yeah. For real. For real. Anyway, we love you and we will see you uh, Monday. Yay. Bye. Bye. (laughs)